0: Dry ground. Thank you, ladies. All right, let's uh, take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're in our money and possessions series, talking about the believer's attitude and outlook. The believer's attitude and outlook. That's a good one when it comes to finances or money and possessions. So, Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin reading there, and we'll just kind of use that as a kickoff point, and then we'll Take a very quick time to review, and then we'll jump into some material tonight. But uh, the Bible begins there in chapter two of the Book of Philippians, verse one. It says, "If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye might be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind." Let it esteem other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, again, we understand that in the context we're dealing with the idea of humility and placing others' needs above our own, and how the Lord Jesus Christ Himself certainly was always thoughtful and considerate of others. And uh, in this case, you know, uh, we understand where it's going and. And we're not to do things through strife or vainglory, obviously, but again, esteeming others and honestly, uh, esteeming them better than ourselves, it says. So we get that. We understand that. But he makes a statement in verse 5. He says, "'Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus.'" And so when it comes to this issue of esteeming others better than ourselves and elevating others beyond ourselves and instead of ourselves, then we recognize that the Bible says that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have the same mind that Jesus Christ had concerning that issue. And you say, well, what does that have anything to do with finances? I mean, how does that have anything to do with that? Well, I believe that we need to know the mind of Christ, not only in this area, but every area. And I think that when it comes to uh, you know, the believer and their attitude and their outlook concerning money and possessions, it's important that we once again adopt the mind of Christ, that we don't do things according to the world or the way that the world says they ought to be done. We ought to do them according to God's plan and His purpose and His word. And we ought to have His mind on this thing. What does God think about the things that He's given us and how should we utilize them for His glory and you know, what should we do with our finances and our, our our possessions, and how should we view them? Well, we know that the God of heaven that created us, He understands what, He knows what He thinks about all that, and we say, well, why, I have to figure out what I think. No, you just have to get the mind of Christ on it, and so do I. So we want to have the mind of Christ. So we've been going through the Word of God looking at a few things, and We talked about our perspective concerning money and possessions, and when it was all said and done, we said that God places a pretty big deal on it. It's pretty important to Him. And uh, we said that we need to have the mind of Christ on that. And so we talked about a number of warning signs that may make you a slave or say that you or define you as a slave to money and possessions. And we don't want to be that, of course. And so we discussed some of those things. We said, what's our position concerning money and possessions? Well, we found out that it's that of a steward. That we recognize and realize that the truth is, is that we're stewards of God's heritage, and that there's nothing that's really ours. And again, sometimes uh, you know we get talking about tithes and offerings, and people say, "Well, you know, you know, God's ten percent's God's and ninety percent's ours to do with as we please." Truthfully, it's not to do with as we please. It's really all His. And the truth is we're simply stewards of the things that God entrusts into our watch care. The fact is, is that our very children are simply those things which God has entrusted into our care. We're simply stewards of our children. They're really God's possessions. He just loans them to us. Gives us the privilege of, once again, investing in their lives, being a part of that life, and having a very special union and relationship with them. But in reality, we're simply stewards over God's heritage, over His substance, over His possessions. And then we asked the question, well, do I have to be poor to please God? Well, of course, we come to the conclusion that that's not the case at all, that God has blessed men and women both with finances throughout the word of God. So obviously that in and of itself, finances are not, you know, evil or wicked or sinful. So you don't have to be poor to please God. And uh, so that was good. And uh, then we said, at what point does money interfere with my relationship with God? And we said, well, when you trust in money rather than trusting in God, then that's going to affect your relationship with God. We said when your affections are set on your, your earthly possessions instead of your heavenly possessions, that'll affect your relationship with God. When you think your own spirituality, another man's spirituality, or God's blessings can be measured uh, by spiritual possessions, well, once again, uh, you've got the wrong perspective, and uh, obviously it could be affecting or interfering your relationship, with your inter- uh, relationship with the Lord. We said, well, when your objective in life becomes to earn as much money as possible, Now again, we tried to clarify that and we tried to make it very clear that the fact is is that God's not opposed to you spending 40 hours making as much as you possibly can, but what's the purpose for making as much as you can? Is it to simply get rich? Is it to simply amass wealth? Is it to have many possessions? Is it somehow so that you and your family can simply live comfortable, neglecting God, doing as you please? Not at all. And so as long as the focus is not simply on just growing wealth and ultimately just being rich or having as much money as you could possibly earn, that, that's, that should not be your goal in life. Your goal ought to be to bring glory to God and utilize the finances that God entrusts to you to do, so, to do that. Now, we also said when you think that you provide for your own needs instead of God providing them. That's a problem, though that, that, that's going to ultimately come between you and your relationship with God because the fact is, is that, once again, He's the one that provides for us and meets our needs. And although we may be the one that goes off to work, we may be the one that puts in the hours, the truth is we'd have no health or ability to do so if God didn't give it to us. So today we want to consider this thought and answer this question. What are some things that are far more important than money? And which money cannot buy? What are some things that are far more important than money? And which money cannot buy? Well, that's a good thought, isn't it? You know, if we're not careful in the culture and the society in which we live, it seems that finances and money and 401ks and our retirement funds and all of those things are priority. We get the idea that there's no way in the world you can provide for a family unless you make a lot of money. And may I say that as a man, we ought to do our best to provide for our family. But I'm going to tell you this, very seldom does your wife and children need as much as you think they do. Because if you think that you're the one providing and you have to provide a certain standard, you might be surprised how your wife views that if you'd really get down to it. So many times we have bought the lie of the culture that we live in that we've got to have the biggest house on the block, the nicest car in the driveway. We have to have the nicest shoes and clothes. That's not the case at all. You'd be surprised. Happiness is not found in the abundance of things that we possess. Don't fall into that lie. And don't believe it even if you hear it from a church member. Because listen, I'm going to tell you something. Some of the most the happiest people I've ever met in my life didn't have two nickels to rub together. So let's not go there. Let's not somehow fall into the trap or the lie that money is what gives us happiness. Hopefully we've come to that conclusion already through our study, but the mind of Christ is simply not money. Money is not an issue for God. If God wants us to have it, we can get it. And if we'll work hard and do what God's called us to do and we'll be faithful in what he's intended us to accomplish in our life, fulfilling our purpose and our calling in our life, God will take care of our needs. We may not have everything that the world says we have to have to be happy, but I promise you, you can be happy. And what we're going to learn is that there are some things that are far more important than money. And boy, don't miss this. Don't miss it. Because it can make the difference between contentment in your life and total chaos and confusion. And so let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll discuss some of these. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Bless us in these next few moments. May we, Father, be privy to and recognize Some things that are far more important than actual money or possessions. And Lord, things that money literally cannot buy. Oh, Father, help us to realize that when it's all said and done, there are those things that are more important. And Lord, may we not allow the culture and the world in which we live to twist the truth. But Lord, may we hold on to it and have your mind concerning this issue. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. First of all, what's something that is Uh, far more important than money, and which money cannot buy? Well, number one, wisdom. Wisdom. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Proverbs if you can, and Proverbs 16, 16. Proverbs 16, 16. In Proverbs chapter 16, 16, we read, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver. Now, again, the passage is pretty pretty simple, I think. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Someone says, well... Yeah, wisdom is important, but money's important. Well, what's God say about it? What's his mind on it? We often take the word of God and we say, well, this is the mind of Christ. This is God's mind. And if you want to know what God thinks and how God feels and what's important to God, get in this book. Well, in the book, what's it say about the difference or the, 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 you know, how God views this wisdom issue versus gold? He says, "Man, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold? You'd be much better not to have the gold and have wisdom than to have the gold and no, than have the gold and no wisdom. So you need the wisdom. That's important. Now how do we get wisdom? Take your Bible, turn over to the book of James, chapter one verse five. Now, I mean, we're going to just touch on this real quickly, but the fact is is that we could spend uh, uh, multiple sermons on this issue of wisdom and gaining it, but the fact is is that if we know where the, the thoughts and the mind and the, 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 the understanding of Christ is, we know what he believes and what he thinks is found in the Word of God, then we're obviously going to have to go to the Word, right? I mean, if we want wisdom, we need to have God's mind on it, because he, he is wisdom, you know? I mean, he is all of those things, and And so the truth is, is that if I want to know something and I want to really have wisdom and I know somebody that has wisdom, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to get their perspective. I'm going to try to understand how they feel about subjects and issues. I want to get their mind on it because if I can adopt that mindset, then I too will have wisdom. Well, you need to think like Christ and I need to think like Christ. And so we need the Word of God, without a doubt. But notice something else that's absolutely necessary and imperative. James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let me ask you, does anybody in the room lack wisdom today? Guilty as charged, you know? Guilty as charged. Boy, I'll tell you what, doesn't life throw some curveballs at us? And you think to yourself, man, what am I going to do? Well, man, I need God's wisdom on this thing. Now, I can run to my dad, and my dad's a pretty wise man. I'm going to be honest with you, very practical. And he's, he's kind of street wise, if you will, not in a bad way. But he, 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 is, he is a very, very uh, commonsensical person. And boy, I tell you what, you know, common sense and wisdom run really parallel. You know what I mean? And so my dad's a very, very wise man. And, 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 I, and I'd be wise to seek his counsel and to maybe ask some questions. And there are some others in this room that I could come to and say, man, listen, I'm in a fixer. I've got a situation. Man, I need some wisdom. I want to know, what would you do? How would you handle that? And that'd be wise on my part. However, if I truly want true wisdom, I'm talking about heavenly wisdom, eternal uh, Christ wisdom, I need to ask him. Now listen, it's easy to go to others sometimes that we know and we'll ask their advice and their opinion. But God says, you know, you come to me, ask me too. You want wisdom. If you lack it, then he goes on to say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why do we leave God out of the equation? We should never leave him out. He should always be a major factor. He should be the first factor. He should be the first one we go to and say, God, I need wisdom. And he may say, well, go talk to him. And he may even tell you to do that. He may direct you to wise counsel. The Word of God does that. So he may say, yes, indeed, check that out or do this. But you might be surprised sometimes how God can handle the problem before you ever even have to ask anyone. And that's a blessing. It's amazing when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our hearts and drives home the truth or turns us to a passage or helps us to gather or glean some kind of information that just kind of makes it clear, boom, that's, man, that is of the Lord. That is of the Lord. And man, I'm going to tell you, that's a humbling feeling. But it's awesome when God speaks to our heart and he just reveals the solution. And we go, thank you, Lord. And we know it was from the heaven above. Boy, I'll tell you what, we need to ask God then. And he goes on to say, if any man, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. First of all, we see the source of wisdom. Man, the source of wisdom is God. So if you really want true wisdom, you got to get it from God. You say, well, I've talked to this person, talked to this person, talked to this person. That's good, maybe. It might be good. Sometimes it's not so good. And by the way, let me just throw a little warning out there. I mean, I just want to really help you here, okay? And I mean that. And I'm not being facetious, and I'm not joking around. You would do well to stay off the Internet every time you have a problem. Amen. Uh, you'd do very well not to go in there and start asking any as we used to say, Tom, Dick, or Harry, what in the world's going on? And I'm going to tell you something. You do not know the background of the people that are blogging. You don't know the background of the people that are giving you spiritual advice. You don't know the background of anybody on there. You don't know what they look like. You don't know what they are. You don't know who they are. You don't have any clue who you're dealing with. And yet the truth is is that if we're not careful, the first thing we want to do is Google it. You say, why'd you say it that way? Because that's how they say it on the commercials. You Google it. I'm going to tell you something. Don't Google it. Don't do that. And I'm going to tell you something. It's time we get on, we we go, go, if you want to Google it, Google it to God then. Go right to Him. Boy, I tell you what, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? Because God is the source of all real wisdom. This book, this word, this truth. Man, wisdom right here. Google this. The source of wisdom. Not only that, we see the secret of wisdom. You say, man, I wish I had some wisdom. Well, the secret is ask. Asking, it shall be given you. Seeking, ye shall find. Knocking, it shall be opened unto you. God's just saying, listen, I am the source. I've got the mother load here. You got to ask, though. Well, I'll tell you, there's something about asking somebody for something when there's a need. You know what that means? It insinuates and it implies an attitude of humility. Yeah. So many times we're so unwilling to hum- humble ourselves and, and truly ask for a need to be met. Um, you know, and and we're getting, it's getting weird about that in our culture. It seems like today it is getting easier. People will ask for anything. They're not ashamed to ask for anything. It's kind of strange. But for some reason, no one, very few people are going to God and asking Listen, we need God to answer the, 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 the tough questions in our life. We need God to give us insight and understanding. We need His wisdom. He's the source of wisdom. And the secret of wisdom is asking Him. We see the supply of wisdom. It's interesting about that wisdom. He goes on to say, he says, that give it to all men liberally. What is he saying? He's saying that wisdom is unlimited. God's wisdom is Unlimited. You'll never, you'll never uh, uh, somehow glean so much from God, get so much from the Savior, that all of a sudden he runs out and says, man, I don't have any more answers. Doesn't work like that. Every situation, every circumstance, every feeling, everything in your life, you can go to God and get the wisdom you need to face it and deal with it. And so can I. The source of wisdom, God. The secret of wisdom, ask. The supply of wisdom, unlimited. And then there's the surety of wisdom. And he says, he says, and it shall be given him. You know, when you go to God and you really ask and you seek his face and you ask for wisdom, God says, listen, I'm not going to sit there and dangle it like a carrot and then pull it back when it's time to get it. Well, you want wisdom? Oh, oh, you almost got it. Almost. That's not how God functions. That's not how he operates. Man, I mean to tell you, it shall be given him. But again, when we're asking God, I think the implication, again, biblically and scripturally, is that we're already seeking him in his word. You know, we don't just live our lives how we please and do whatever we want, and then all of a sudden one day just go, oh, by the way, God, I need wisdom. Man, you're still only going to find it here. You better get in this book then. You've got to get on in this book and on your knees. You've got to seek his face. And by the way, it's interesting. You aren't going to get wisdom by telling God what you think. You know, most of the time we get on our knees with a problem, we're telling God the problem and how we want Him to fix our life. We're not really seeking an answer. We're not truly wanting Him to give us His real, you know, feelings and concerns and understanding and ultimately solutions. No, we're, we're telling Him what we want Him to do, how we want Him to fix our problems most of the time. I'll tell you what we do better many times to sit and listen to God, even in prayer, and listen to him through his word. We see the source of wisdom is God. The secret is asked. The supply is unlimited, and the surety of that wisdom, without a doubt, it's there. And it's there for you and I. So, you know what? Something more valuable than money. You just don't walk out and write a check for wisdom. You don't make up your mind one day that, well, you know what? I need some wisdom, and uh, hmm, I got plenty of money. Let me write a check. Pastor, here's some money to the church. I'm asking for wisdom. Well, I can't give that to you. You're not getting wisdom from me in that sense. Now, if God's given me some kind of wisdom and I can give you some advice based on the wisdom he's given me, that's fine, but in the end, it's got to be God that gives it to you. It can't be me. He's got to do that for you. It's got to be you and God. And if God uses someone as a tool, that's one thing, but recognize and realize where that wisdom came from. It did not come from the person that came from God who directed you there then. We don't give God enough credit. We're so qu- quick to give people credit. What about the God who put the people in our lives? He deserves the credit. And so wisdom, boy, you, you, you know, that's much more valuable than money. You can't buy wisdom with money. You can't do it. And I'm going to tell you something. Your life will never be what you want it to be. Nor will it be what God intends it to be without his wisdom. You'll always have something. It'll always be something missing constantly. You need his wisdom. So I don't care how much money you have. You'll never truly be the man of God or the woman of God you ought to be without his wisdom. Number two. What are some things that are far more important than money and which money cannot buy? Well, a righteous life. Righteousness or a righteous life. This isn't something we address, nor do we talk about much. Sadly enough, it's something that needs to be addressed more often. (laughs) It needs to be something that we're very aware of and conscious of each and every day. Look, if you would, in a few verses, let's turn to Proverbs to begin with. We'll look at two verses there in Proverbs to start with. Proverbs 28, 6. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6. I mean, what's God's mindset on some of these things? You know, we're quick as believers to want to give God a little bit of our time. We're quick as believers to give God a little bit of our money. We're quick as believers to give Him a little bit of our family time. And oh, I'm going to go out soul winner. I'm going to teach. I'll be on a bus, or uh, I'm going to teach a Sunday school class, or I'm going to do this or do that. I'm going to make something for the for the outing, or you know, all these different things. We're very quick to, to do, but God's more concerned about being. He's more concerned about being. Because if we're being what we're supposed to be, we will do what we're supposed to do. But you can do all the right things and not be what you're supposed to be. And so can I. You ever wonder why you'll hear stories of preachers and you'll say, man, I can't believe that preacher fell. I can. Because he was doing the right things as a whole. He just wasn't being the right thing. And may I say, don't get too upset with the pastor. Let's think and look at our own lives a little too. And let's ask ourselves, what am I being? Because when it's all said and done, God cares about who you are past the skin. Not just out here. Although, out here is important because that's all the world sees. But the fact is, God is looking much deeper. And he's concerned about who you are in private. More than he is really concerned who you are in public. And that's true with me. That ought to be truly convicting in our lives. Proverbs 28, 6 says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Again, God's making a distinction. He's got a comparison here. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness. On one side, we have the poor walking in uprightness. On the other side, he's got him who is perverse in his ways and rich. And God says, listen, your gold does not impress me a lick. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having the gold. But there ought to be some uprightness, see? There ought to be uprightness in the life. I mean, you can have both. I don't care what anybody tells you, you can. There are people that have money and also are upright. So that's not the issue. But the point is, there are some things that are far more important than money. Obviously, you can be rich and still lack Uprightness still lack righteousness. Proverbs 16:8. Look at it 16, chapter 16, verse eight of Proverbs. Again, the Lord makes this comparison. He says, "Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right." So, see again, God is not impressed with someone's financial status or position in the society or preeminence in the, the, the church, even. What God's concerned about is our righteousness. Better's little. You say, boy, that family's got nothing. Look at them. Yeah, but if they got righteousness, they got more than you have then. If that's your attitude, I can tell you right now if you have that attitude, you ain't upright. <laughs> so you judging me? I don't know. Read your Bible. I'm going to tell you something. you got an attitude to somebody because they don't have money. My friend, you aren't looking at them through the eyes of Christ. You're looking at them through flesh. So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and try to justify what I said. I'm going to tell you, you read the book of James sometime. You just read through the word of God. I'm going to tell you, money doesn't impress God. So it ought not to impress us. How sad is, it? and I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to tell you something, you take a good looking couple walks through the door, and you find out they got a good job, good paying job, and boy, their kids are all looking so pretty and fine, and all of a sudden, we think somehow that they're special, Ain't nobody's special, any more special, I should say, than the next, and you got another couple walks through, and they're all in shambles, they got the best they got on, and they walk in, and Their kid looks like he needs a little bit of a bath, maybe a little bit. He's clean, but he just doesn't look quite. He might have been out playing a little bit that afternoon. I don't know. It would be a good thing to let your kids play outside every once in a while. But anyway, he comes to church, and we look at that family. and we say, wow, look at them. So which one do we want to join the church? This one or this one? You know how sad it is how many times people how many times people would say, well, let's get that family because they look like they got money and they look like they can, they're really sharp and that looks like that. Man, I mean to tell you, I wish my wife and me were like that. That's really what we're saying. I'm going to tell you something, that should not impress us. You know what ought to impress you and me? Uh, When we find out what their walk and relationship with Christ is. That's what ought to impress us. See, it shouldn't be, you should be a Sunday school teacher because you dress so nice and look so sharp. It should be, hey, let me ask you something. How separated are you from the world? How godly are you? How often do you spend time in the word of God? How much do you pray? I mean, what's your walk with God look like? That's what ought to impress us. And it doesn't, this, this thing, righteousness, impresses God. Psalm 37, 16 says, a little, that a, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. So some of you don't have maybe a lot. Maybe you don't have two nickels to rub together. But if you got righteousness, you got more than money can buy, friend. You got more than money can buy. You're rich indeed if you got righteousness today. Don't you dare let somebody tell you that you're not rich. You are very rich. And down the road, who knows? Maybe God will bless you with some more finances. But while you got riches, uh, while you got righteousness, you have riches. Again, the mind of Christ is being revealed here. And God places righteousness over riches. In Matthew 6, 33, he makes it clear, doesn't he? When he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I never told my wife or promised my wife a thing. You know, I still don't own a house. Never have. Never promised her a house. But I promised her a home. Let me tell you something. Don't ever think for a minute that you can buy the love of a, of a, a wife or a husband somehow. Now, that, that's something that if you've got a wife that loves you, she's going to love you whether you're living in a cardboard box somewhere or whether you're living in Taj Mahal. That's not love. Love is not for sale, not biblical love, not godly love. And if all you've got is someone that loves you for what you provide for them, my friend, you aren't loved at all. Don't buy into the lies. There's some things that money can't buy. Someone says, that's, that's crazy talk. Well, I don't know. I think if you've got a good wife, she'll follow you to the end of the earth. I believe it. I don't, if God called you to the mission field today and said, I'm going to send you... Not just to Africa or not just to some third world country. I'm going to send you to the deepest, darkest jungles. You're going to be living in a grass hut. And by the way, most missionaries don't live like that anymore. That ended about 30 years ago. But maybe he says that's where you're going to go. I'm going to tell you something. You got the kind of wife God intends you to have, and she truly loves you the way she ought. She'll say, you know what, honey? I'm following you. We're going. Someone says, no, nah, you can't do that. What about her health? What about this? What about that? Yeah, if you've got other issues, then my friend, I'm going to tell you, God's really privy to that as well already. He probably wouldn't have told you to go there if your wife couldn't go there. I'm telling you, though, the attitude is the wife would be like, we're going, and you'd be like, we can't. you got love in your home. you got love. I'm telling you, it's there. It's not what you provide. It's what God has given you, and you ought to thank God for that kind of love. So if you've got a good wife or a good husband, my friend, you better thank him. That's something money can't buy either. That's not on the list, but that's a good one. But this thing, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I wonder how many men in this room ought to be in the ministry one day. But how many will allow money to keep them from it? I wonder. what, What do you allow to make your decisions for you? What determines what direction you go in life? There are some things more important than money. And some things money can't buy, and righteousness is one of them. And you will will not be right with God if you're not in the center of his, if you're not in his plan. You gotta be in his will and then in his plan. So the righteous life, it's important. What's your relationship with the Lord today? Let me ask you, have you spent time with God this week? How important is it to you what you look at, what you think, what you do, where you go. Do you give it thought? Do you ever ask yourself, God, does this please you, what I'm looking at? Does this please you, what I'm reading? Does this please you, what I'm scrolling through? Does it please you, what I'm being subjected to right now on the internet? I mean, do you think about things like that as you walk through life, as you go through life? Because righteousness is something that's much more valuable than what you own or possess righteousness is so valuable so important something money can't buy wisdom and righteousness number three you know what this is a big one some of you will understand this one right off the bat every once in a while i I never had a problem ever 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 had a problem with this till recently i've started to have a few more problems with it a good night's sleep you know that Something that is far more important than money, which money cannot buy, is a good night's sleep. I don't care how much money you got, you you can't buy sleep. You can't buy rest. Ecclesiastes 5.12, look at that passage. Man, a good night's sleep. I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but there ain't nothing like a good night's sleep. Man, you jump in that bed and you just kind of get comfortable. and Maybe you don't have a bed, I don't know, but... I'd I'd advise you to get one. It helps with your sleeping. They were telling me out in the Philippines, like I told you that Brother Lorena will be going out there in uh, February, really, of next year. But like I said, for years, and I I got to talk to him. I don't know if he changed this since I've been there, but uh, all those fellas that were in the ministry there had to sleep on concrete floors. He didn't want them to have beds. He told me, he said, I don't want them to get comfortable. They'll never leave. And he was sending them out into the jungles, basically, out into the rural areas way out there where there weren't all the amenities that we have here. And he said, man, if I get them, if they end up having a nice bed to sleep, they're not going to want to go out there and sleep on the ground. And so he made them sleep on the concrete. Eight guys in a room, probably about a 12 by 12. All their stuff was in the same room, by the way. You know, we think we got it rough, you know. Anyway... My dad was there. hes You can hear him. But anyway, it was crazy, wasn't it, Dad? It was crazy. Yeah, it was nuts, man. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be, be good for us, I think, sometimes. But anyway, Ecclesiastes 5.12, not for me anymore, but for you. <laughs> you can sleep on the floor. I, I'll stay in the bed. But anyway, it would be good for some of you. Okay, but anyway, not me. At least for the young guys, right? These young guys could handle it. They, they got... You know, they're tough, they're strong. Okay, so a good night's sleep. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Isn't that an amazing passage? I mean, really, God addresses these things. Sometimes we think, boy, this book's so archaic, it's so old, it's so outdated, so antiquated. What? It's very Practical. They look at it. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. I think what he's implying is that you may not have two nickels to rub together. You may not be able to go buy the triple cheese. You've got to stick with the dollar menu. But boy, I'll tell you what, that sleep's sweet. But you could have all the money in the world and still not have rest at night. You Can't buy it. Can't buy it. There's some things more important than money, Amen. How many of you, at times in your lives, maybe, would have been glad to give 100 bucks to get a good night's sleep? I'm not just talking about at a hotel. I'm talking about just to sleep well for, say, eight hours straight for once. I know someone says, well, that's no problem. Hey, praise the Lord. You thank God for that. You thank God for that. There may come a day you won't be able to rest like that anymore. The one that I talked to so many people, they pop up at 2 in the morning and they can't sleep. And they're up the rest of the night. Let me tell you something, you thank God for that rest because that's something money can't buy. That's a blessing from God. And if you are popping up at 2 in the morning and you can't back to sleep, don't be angry at God either. Just say, Lord, you've got to be teaching me something and help show me something while I'm up. Give me some wisdom. I need it. And maybe let me fall back asleep when I'm reading your word. I don't know, but you've got to, you know, do the best you can. Enjoy that while you got it. Let me tell you, it's sweet. It's It's a blessing. But money can't purchase it, can't procure it. Well, we're out of time. Those are just three things so far that we've shared that honestly are far more important than money. Wisdom, a righteous life, and a good night's sleep. Those three things, I'll tell you what, those are more important than money, more valuable than money, and you can't buy them. May God help us to be grateful for what he's given us. Boy, I'll tell you what, you and I are so blessed today. We have access to the God of all wisdom. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's a wonderful thing not to live in chaos and confusion, to have the answers. I'm not saying you're not having troubles. I'm just saying that you know how to deal with them. At least you're in the right mindset, you're in the right place doing the right things, and you know that God's still there and he's getting you through it wisdom and, boy, doing things God's way, applying the truth practically in the way he intended to be applied. Boy, a righteous life and a good night's sleep. Well, Father, we thank you for this